I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm Drew to the fifth element. We'll highlight the fifth element hip hop, which is knowledge. It's Ben and me, DITD. Covering the boy, but no CEO. Just notice something. You say Twitter and not IG. Uh, do I? You just oh, say yeah, Twitter, no. innit? Because this was at. We did this. We created this intro out of time where you didn't have a feel worth doing it. That's true. That's very true. So, yeah. Mm. That's something new every day. I mean, it's on the full show notes. Hi, Ben. How's your week, Ben? What have you been to do this week? Uh, this week, let's see, I've got the projects up in front of me. Uh, G Herbo's project, I'll start with that. I thought it was great. I really did. I really like G Herbo. I think that he's one of the most emotionally adept rappers in the modern game. I, I don't understand the criticism of him. Like, I just I just don't get it. I mean, if you're going to criticize Polo G for being boring or, you know, the same over and over again, I can understand that, but I, I don't get why you would say that about G Herbo, uh, twenty five was a great project. That was his last one. PTSD was a great project. They're just great projects. Like he's emoting over really good production. And the only track I didn't really think was worth it was that track with Benny the Butcher. Uh, I thought that that was a bit. I don't know, man. Like I, I don't really, I don't really need to hear G Herbo trying to spit. What, like the best, the best rapper of the tw- of the twenty twenties. Uh, hey man, look, Benny the Butcher is. That's and- weird. I thought Benny was great on that, but you don't really need G Herbo trying to spit bars next to Benny the Butcher. It's just kind of a pointless endeavor. So, yeah, I wasn't really, I wasn't really a massive fan of that track. Uh, but yeah, no, nah, the track with Gunner was great. Um, track with Offset was great. Track with obviously Future dropped before the album. That was great. No, nah, that was great, man. It's really solid project. Uh, Cormega's project, uh, of course, man. Like, what do you think? What do you what do you expect we're gonna get from Cormega? I don't I don't know what else to say. Like yeah, I just I thought it was a really good project. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. The track with Nas just felt right, man. It just felt right. I actually thought that Nas was kind of doing a bit of not not saying that he was like responding to Jay Z on God Did, but there was definitely an autobiographical nature to that. He was obviously in a pretty introspective headspace and kind of talking about the the history and it wasn't very long verse, you know, and then he kinda of gave the mic to Cormega in the middle of the track and Cormega just just skated man it's, uh, it's gonna take me weeks to unpack that album like it's gonna take time I need to sit with it um as I expected from Cormega a uh, young boy dropped a new project uh this was a great project man like I, th- I felt like his last couple of projects I didn't expect to get one from him because he's dropped like three in the last two months uh that horrible tape with the baby bro I feel like Youngboy must have like signed on to do that like before the whole the baby thing happened with the rolling loud. I think it was rolling loud or wherever he was, and he just did that ridiculous homophobic rant and just ended his entire career. And Youngboy was just like, "Oh fuck, well I guess this has to come out now." And now he's like kind of trying to I don't know cleanse the palate after that disgusting album with two really solid projects his last project i didn't like that actually it's his third in in a couple of months actually because he did the last line to reel it two and now 3800 degrees which 
the cover is uh, like the juvenile, like Lil Wayne kind of thing. I like that a lot. But nah, man, this was great. There was actually features on this track list. Mouse on the track. I got fucking excited for Mouse on the track, man. So excited. Like, he soundtracked the early 2010s for me. Uh, Shy Glizzy was great. E40 was great on on that track and nah man he sounds re-energized here he sounds angry he sounds violent he sounds aggressive he sounds abrasive like this was not uh just young boy sleepwalking through a track list and just putting out music for the sake of putting out music i felt like he really got out of bed for this and i really appreciate that it's it's, it's a solo project uh what else have we got on this list here quavo and takeoff i actually enjoyed this album i d- I listened to the, the the singles that came out prior, and I was like, "Man, this is this is garbage. Like, this is this is boring. This is sleepy. The lyrical content. The problem with Migos is, and and Migos members is, you know, Quavo. I think is the most versatile artist because he can do hooks, he can rap, he can do the triple time, like or the triple flow. He can do everything. I actually think Takeoff is the weakest member. I really don't think he brings anything of value. I think that. Quavo and Offset are the two stars of the group. So to have Quavo and Takeoff, I was like, I don't know what the hell this is going to sound like. And I knew lyrically we were going to get like absolutely nothing. It was just going to be a barren, salted landscape. Just like cars, violence, women, money, like just straight up standard. He bought a Cullinan and it came with an umbrella. That's pretty much what you're going to get from, from Migos. The production has to be great. And they tapped in with Mustard on here on a couple of tracks. And I was like, man, I don't know about that. But fucking Mustard came through with the bag. Like he he produced some. And, and I just think the production on here was great. And and that's, as I say, that's always been the appeal of Migos. The ability to find like, like really solid production. Production that really slaps. And I said this in the video. I was doing tracks of the week. Future, you know, Future doesn't doesn't change up his content at all either. But he goes out and he finds new producers. He finds new sounds. He finds, he stays ahead. Like even if it's like a couple of steps, he stays ahead of the current sound. So everyone's kind of like playing catch up with him. And that's what you have to do. If your content is not going to change at all, then you have to do something a little bit different in the production. And I felt like Migos did here, which was a positive thing. So I like that project. And finally, uh, Rich Homie Kwan dropped a project and I, I I remember reviewing his last album on here and I didn't really like it that much. I really enjoyed this record. I really did. I feel like um, Rich Homie Kwan's had a, he, he's been on a journey. Like what happened in 2014, 2013 when he blew the fuck up and he changed the game entirely with Young Thug and then he just fell away. And it's completely different to the way Fetty Wap fell away because Fetty Wap didn't like he he didn't start an entire movement he didn't like he wasn't the most influential rapper i mean rich homie kwan and young thug had already been out by the time fetty Wap came out so i feel like it's a complete and and rich homie kwan never scaled the heights that fetty Wap scaled he was i'm not gonna say he was an underground success but like he wasn't going number one and he wasn't like you know having 200k first week albums and, and crazy numbers like that so the journey that he's been on since 2014 is eight years now is fascinating. Like I want to know what's been happening. And every time he drops an album, he kind of drip feeds this information and the amount of content he must have in this realm is, is immense. And I'm, I'm actually really thirsty to know what happened. I'm curious. I, I want to understand how he feels about it and what's happened because 
you know, this is not an uncommon thing in the industry to be kind of cast aside commercially when you've been very influential, you've created a lane, you've been a pioneer, but the, the either the mainstream hasn't kept up with you or they don't care about you anymore. And, you know, how that actually feels. There's a classic uh, quote on Drink Champs, and I think I'm pretty sure it's Nori that says it. He says, when you're the man on Monday, it's hard not being the man on Wednesday. And he's talking about obviously like falling off and and being that person, being at the pinnacle and then just not being at the pinnacle all of a sudden and just everything has passed you by and everyone that was your peer is now in the future and they're ahead of you. So yeah, we got some of that from from Rich Homie Corner here and we got great production. Uh, Vocally, he's obviously still great. There's there's nothing there. There's like, there's nothing bad there. He's, He's a great vocalist. Uh, I enjoy this project a lot. I'm not 100% sure I'll go back to it regularly. Um, but yeah, it was a good. It was a really good first listen. Uh, so that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, I got into a few. Um, start off with uh, Grip, uh, who dropped uh, early in the week. Uh, Five and Fuck You. I love the title. Mm. And um, yeah, he came out just um, spraying for the first few tracks. Um, Cook Up and 94 Flow. He yeah, 94 Flow was wild track. Wild, wild track. Um, but yeah, you know, kind of... Um, Kind of like a simmers down a little bit um, to like a plateau in the middle and then like uh, have a uh, a thank you track on many thanks as well. And then a okay in the last track, which is um, very potent as well. But yeah, man, I love me some grip. Um, comes around now and again uh, just to drop some good stuff. I still remember Snubnose and listen to that. <laughs> it's just crazy to listen to. Uh, but yeah, man, continue success for grip, of course. Uh, Suf Daddy. Uh, basically sober. Um, I was just basically I don't know playlist what uh, surfing, and I found this found this dude. Um, kind of just like electronic hip hop beats. Uh, that's that's basically it. It's a lot of uh, a lot of just um, uh, uh, a lot of keyboard stuff going on. Um, a lot of electronica, um, but some nice funky hip hop beats to go to go with them. Uh, yeah, it's just a really fascinating um, instrumental record. Um, kind of unique, actually, in a way. Um, I, I don't think I hear, any, I don't think I've heard an instrumental album in this fashion uh, with this type of flavor to it. Um, a lot of synths, very synth heavy. Um, but yeah, man, it's a really good, really good, um, really good instrumental album to this too. Thirty-one, tra- uh, 31 minutes, thirty tracks, um, pretty solid um, to get into. Just a you know, quick jump in. Isaiah uh, Bell, Yam Greer. Um, so this dropped uh, except literally a month ago in September, um, and yeah, it kind of gives me um, you know uh, kind of that Doja Cat Dua Lipa thing uh, where they had that you know the nice nice healthy bass line, um, but also had that throwback element to it. You know, what I mean that wavy dance wavy dance tracks. A lot of that on here, um, especially D and D, which is probably the most uh, popular track. Um, but yeah, there's some really good stuff all over here. Jane Hancock and Closure, really good. Uh, uh, the first two tracks, no, first three tracks, are really solid as well. Um, just brings you in nicely, and yeah, man, it's a really solid album. Really, uh, nice, fresh vibes. Uh, very dancey, and I guess you're moving. Um, you know, got got that Catronada kind of uh, element to it, that kind of thing. So yeah, you know, forty-one track, uh, forty-one minutes, fourteen tracks. Definitely get into that. Uh, Soul Messiah, God Complex. Um, obviously Soul Messiah, the producer. Uh, on Rhyme Sayers, um, obviously, def- if you aren't aware, constantly works with uh, Sarok, and uh, as you can imagine, Sarok is all over this one in many, many tracks on here. 
The Hard Way with her, Shay Noir, Lyric Jones, banger. Uh, Soul Supreme with Kembata, uh, banger. Uh, even um, oh, Computer Rock with uh, Sarah and Ruby Seller. Gosh, the Ruby Seller, man. Shout out to her, man. That, that's like two albums out from like 10 years ago. Still pops up now and again. Crazy. I'm I'm desperate to see her now uh, from her now. Uh, but yeah, you know, you got stuff like God Complex with uh, King Crooked and uh, Star Rock as well, and that kind of exemplifies. If if you ask me what a Soul Messiah beat is, it's basically that has this thick kind of like superhero kind of thing going on. Um, just it's very grandiose. Um, so yeah, it's all over that. Uh, shout to Evidence on Limitless as well. Some good stuff on there. But yeah, man. A lot, lot of good, lot of um, lot of great uh, features. Um, Slug and Ace Up Rock on Rhyme Slayers. Uh, yes, it's absolutely outstanding. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, Blue Note Reimagined. Blue uh, number two. Blue Note Reimagined is back. Um, one of my probably this is this is a concept that I just absolutely love to death. If I did an album list based on concepts, it would be a hit. <laughs> it would just be number one all the time. Um, because for those who are unaware, who haven't spun the first one, um, basically Blue Note Reimagined is, uh, where UK artists from, you know, soul, uh, jazz mostly, also, you know, hip hop as well, backgrounds, uh, come through to cover, uh, Blue Note tracks, uh, from the wide range of Blue Note tracks you could possibly get. Um, it's just, it's just great. So you've got, um, uh, 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 Connor Albert um, h- uh, covering Bobby Humphrey, Nora Jones, Donald Byrd, uh, Chico Hamilton, uh, Wayne Shorter, Thelonious Monk, Marlena Shaw, uh, fucking hell, so a couple of repeats on there as well, Duke Ellington, Bobby Hutchison, and then you have UK artists like Sharice, Frank Moody, Binker Golden, Ruben James, Venner, Kay Young, Beyond Cross, Daniel Casimir, Rhea, uh, Rhea Moran, Egoella May, Lubian Twist, Swindle, and I can, I can name I can name so many more, but yes, those, those are the ones I've heard of definitely. But even even with that said, there, I guarantee you, there's an artist on here that you haven't heard of, and that's kind of what's beautiful about this project. Um, just the fact that if if you're not into Blue Note at all, this is easy for you to get into. I feel uh, definitely recommend not just listening to the album, but um, but joining the album with the original songs. So have like the original song as a primer, and then listen to the cover as well. Uh, back to back, really just exemplifies the uh, the the ability that musicians have to you know switch something up, you know keep the flavor, but also make it their own in some way. It's really fascinating as a just as a concept. Um, yeah, it's really good um, covers on here. Uh, you know, uh, especially Miss Kane uh, by Swindle of uh, Donald Byrd, the same name. Uh, Kay Young doing Malena Shaw was great. Uh, Venna uh, doing Donald Bird, Where Are We Going? Just some really good stuff all over the place. Um, really good album. Uh, shout out to Blue Note and everyone involved. Uh, Joyce Rice. Uh, yeah, Joyce Rice Motive. Um, yeah, some obviously very contemporary R&B. But even with that said, you know, she has a Catronard on Ice Tea, so you can imagine what that track is. Um, but past that, there's some really just nice little changes here and there in terms of the production. It's not always the same. Um, she keeps she keeps it fresh on that front, and uh, yeah, man, she's just she's just um, really solid. I don't know if you guys have uh, listened to Overgrown from last year, but that was a really good album, really underrated album from uh, R and B album from last year. Um, but yeah, this kind of just adds on to it, adds on to the catalog. Uh, shout out to um, Joyce Rice, a uh, friend of Ivy, James Flames. Uh, Jay Flames makes house. I wonder what this one is. 
he's making house. <laughs> and uh, yeah, some really good house, techno house, deep house, um, all the types of house that you want to get into. Many homes in <laughs> in this album. Uh, many homes for you. Uh, 35 minutes, 10 tracks. Um, just pop it on in the background. If you like some house, you get some good flavors from it. Um, just some good vibes. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. And lastly, Cormega, uh, The Realness 2. Um, I can't wait to do a, a Cormega uh, retrospective because it's going to be outstanding. Um, but um, I remember we did a, a, a Mega Philosophy for, I think, Contemporary Core. And um, I think the thing that fascinates me with Cormega is just how he, I don't know, he has this unique brand of just authenticity, I guess, um, in how he talks about things. Um, he just goes about it a certain way. Uh, it's re- it's, I don't know, it's really fascinating, uh, definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's more of that, to be honest. You know, a lot of um, just street gems, uh, that kind of thing. He's he's kind of just Nas, who, uh, a version of Nas that didn't blow up. It's like a parallel universe in my mind. It's kind of interesting. Um, but Nas is on here, as you said, uh, Lloyd Banks and uh, Havoc as well on Paradise. Um, but yeah, it's just some really good, um, just just gems, just life gems scattered all over the place. Um, I really love uh, Age of Wisdom, little spoken word thing, no beat. Uh, that was really fun to listen to. Uh, really uh, 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 clears the palette a little bit um, when you're just listening to him. But yeah, man, solid album. Shout out to Cormega, still doing it. I'm still doing it big, and uh, yeah, with that said, we get serious uh, to continue with our UK BHM uh, series, and continuing on with retrospective on uh, JME, Uh, we did uh, Skepta last year, Uh, if you want to go spin that, I'll put that in the full show notes, Uh, give that a listen, Uh, but yeah man, JME, um, I think probably one of the most just authentic voices um, in music, um, especially when you especially when you listen to his music and what he's talking about um he kind of says very he kind of says like the same things over and over again but he's just so creative he just and how he comes about it um uh, it's 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 so fascinating for those that for some reason haven't listened to jamie before um but yeah it's um is he, he's an artist that i feel akin to a lot um in terms of what he's saying um and in the overall sense of just being independent um we big that up a lot and uh, i think jamie's probably one of the truest independents out here um all of his albums all of his all of his work independent via his own label and it's a lot of work by the way we're obviously going to do the studio albums but there's fucked out of mixtapes if you want to get into that um especially the early stuff i think he dropped like four in 2006 so yeah boy boy has been busy since so free um so yeah Oh, with that said, as I nearly knock off my dinner, uh, Ben, what have you got for us? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we spoke at length about Jamie's childhood in the Skepta episode, so I'll echo Charlie and say go check that out because uh, if you're interested in like the beginning phase of his life and his career, just go hit that up because it would kind of be redundant for me to repeat it here. Um, but yeah, I want to start where his career starts because honestly, you know, there's a brilliant history in his origin story. In the beginning and explosion of grime, but we kind of did that already. Uh, Jamie could have fallen like potentially behind Skepta at this early stage of their careers in the mid 2000s, but the now legendary grime track 96 Bars of Revenge appeared on his debut mixtape from 2006. And you know, Jamie was uh, inducted into the Grime Hall of Fame with his very first release, like that was a fire track. He actually told Fantano in an interview. This track is so well respected within the grime community because of how frank and honest he was on it. He said, at the time I wrote it, 
it was one of the happiest points of my life. I just secured a place to live. I just got married. But this track needs to have some pain. I'm going to speak about everything I went through to get here. Right now is the best time to speak about it because I understand what happened. So, yeah, so Jamie's musical prowess was hardly limited to rapping. He was a skilled producer. Uh, beginning on his Nokia, Nokia 3310, he was actually creating ringtones for his friends. Now, he told Rince FM everyone used to come, for, come to him for this. And, you know, this is kind of like if anyone had a Nokia 3310 back in the day or any kind of Nokia, I think I had a 3150 or 3350 or something like that. You could just create your own mixta- own ringtones. It was fucking sick. Now, he progressed and he said whatever he could make digit uh, music on digitally he would so playstations game boys you know if a game came out that you could make music on he wanted to do it and obviously he progressed to fruity loops logic and pro tools but he never actually studied it formally he actually went to university uh to study 3d digital design and he graduated in that so he does a lot of almost all his own artwork now during the early meridian days and again like we're going to be using some terms in this episode that you might not be fully aware of like meridian uh roll deep you know um, go listen to the Skepta episode, go listen to the Dizzy episode, the Wiley episode. Like, I, I feel like if I just repeat myself, it's just redundant. Like, honestly, go check those episodes out. They're brilliant. Um, you know, the research is already done. It's already on wax. But during the early Meridian days, Skepta wasn't actually part of that crew. Jamie told Rince that Skepta was DJing for another crew. And Meridian actually already had a DJ also by the name of J- Jamie, not JME, but by Jamie. And he said at first it was just friends hanging out, uh, you know, spitting bars, enjoying each other, and spending ample time rapping on pirate radio. They're often credited for pushing Grimes' second wave into the charts and mainstream attention after Dizzy and Wiley kicked it off in the early 2000s. Now, Wiley would be the one to bring the brothers back together artistically. As part of his Roll Deep crew, he invited JME into the studio to record. And JME said, obviously, if Wiley asks you to record, especially around this period, you go. And that began his association with the Roll Deep crew, one of the most influential in music history. You know, we talk about collectives like Soulquarians, Native Tongues, and we talk about these these like legendary groups, but uh, I don't hear people talk about Roll Deep as often as they should. You know, it's a freaking legendary collective in the UK, like one of the most influential. Um, and JME credits this as helping him evolve into a great MC. He said it was where he learned to always assume uh, someone is rapping about you if it sounds like they are. And the thing about JME is he's like he's not the most like he doesn't sound like a hard battle rapper. Uh, as Charlie said, he he says things with like frank honesty, and he says kind of the same things throughout his albums, but he says them in different ways. And he doesn't sound like the most aggressive rapper in the world, but he can rip your fucking head off if he needs to. And that's what he said in this in this Rinse FM in, interview. He said competition doesn't necessarily bring out the best in him, but watching so many other incredible MCs perfect their craft helped him immeasurably. Now, in the mid-2000s, Skepta and JME would break off their previous ties from Roll Deep and Meridian and create their own label, Boy Better Know. So, as Charlie said, every single JME studio album has dropped independently via this label. And all but one uh, Skepta album was done entirely by Boy Better Know. Doing It Again came out uh, in collaboration with The Major, but all the other albums came out on Boy Better Know, uh, solely Boy Better Know. So what the brothers have done for Grime, I think, is often overlooked, partly I think due to Skepta's success, but also partly because Dizzy and Wiley blew up first. And I think often the credit for success of that subgenre gets given to the people who kind of broke through the surface 
first rather than all the artists underneath them kind of propping them up because for a large portion of the 90s and early 2000s, Skepta and JME via the Meridian crew were regularly fronting up to pirate radio shows with Skepta providing beats, JME providing bars, and like pushing grime to anyone who would listen. You know, JME told Fantano that when they were coming up, there were no names in grime music. No one was, was successful in it yet. No one was known nationally. He said they were just kids in the street talking about the things they were seeing and the sonic influence from dancehall, garage, drum and bass, jungle. So what I want to talk more about in this episode is Jamie's approach to grime music and his role as not just a rapper and a musician, but as someone who actively promotes the culture and tries to protect it from infection by major labels. In that Fantano interview, he lamented the way young grime artists will pop up on YouTube now, blow up and be signed the next day. Um, we can see in his lyrical content, especially on that first mixtape, the tales he was telling of underground movements. And when they began in pirate radio, I mean, he said you just turn up in someone's kitchen that had been soundproofed and you just spat bars. And the wild thing is, uh, you know, in those really early days, only people in like a three mile radius could hear you. So like you were literally speaking to the people you lived with. You were speaking about your experiences in this community. And those were the people that were gravitating towards it. Uh, and in recent times, Jamie has even tried to resurrect this. He said he sometimes pops up in places with a set of decks and a microphone and just allows people to come up and spit bars and try and recreate that energy. Now, there's an interview from 2006 where Jamie speaks about dropping his first single, but he said it was a very limited release in an effort to drum up some money to keep he and Skepta's labor pushing. So underpinning Jamie's entire ethos in music, you know, I say that, I say that, that, uh, about that interview in 2006 he wasn't trying to blow up nationally like he wasn't trying to go crazy he wasn't trying to go number one they just wanted enough money to keep the label going and he said his whole ethos in music is enjoyment he told rinse fm in 2022 he didn't start music to get anything to win anything he started it because he loves it and he says about boy better know he says it's a family people who live their lives everyone is so separate and live their own love lives we love music we've grown together so when they began Boy Better Know, uh, JME actually, it, it didn't even begin as a label. It just began as a logo that JME had created for his first mixtape. And it came about because of the lyrics on AWOH of his first mixtape. He raps Boy Better Know CEO. And he said it wasn't even a label at that point. There was no label. There was no plans for it to be a label. So it, was, it just it just rhymed. So he was like, fuck it, man. We'll turn it into a label. So, you know, the mixtape gets pressed up. He has to come up with a cover. So he puts the Boy Better Know logo on the front. And the debut mixtape actually had a couple of solo tracks for other artists, like Esky Boy by Wiley. Uh, we've spoken about that track in uh, Esky Music. And the final track came from Skepta. And Jamie said this. He said, just people around me no one was doing it at the time from the response to that skepta and wiley said let's go with this now the important thing to remember about all these crews i'll end on this we'll jump into the first album roll deep meridian boy better know it's not a zero-sum game like you can be in all the different crews at the same time you know jme says he still considers himself a part of every crew that he was in and then obviously we get his debut album, Famous, with the uh, with the question mark at the end, and yeah, if you want to jump into that, Charlie. Famous, right? So um, <laughs> this is kind of so weird because I don't remember actually ever listening to this album whole, wholesale, like from front to back or anything. Where I'm just like, oh, let me listen early JME and just like blast it. But um, but when I listen to some of the tracks, it just a couple of them just come back to me, um, especially oh, well, when you uh, as you uh, as you mentioned with the boy band or CEO. Um, and also one, two, three as well, which is just creatively just fun. 
Uh, the fact that he, on the first verse, he's just constantly rhyming one, uh, and then two, and then three. It's just, it's just fun. And it actually kind of comes back to um, his creativity to do very similar flows and similar things, but do them in a different way. Because um, that particular track reminds me of It's Mad off his previous album. So that's kind of, it's just fascinating on that one. Um, P, obviously, uh, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to Ice Spice, clearly just like, you know, remix of that particular beat. Um, yeah, just that, that's, that's still sick in itself. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, and the thing about, I think the, the thing that uh, is interesting about, I think all of Grime overall, right? This is kind of like an overall point, but the, 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 the thing that Grime has always, has always had going for it is the fact that artists inside there, inside that little uh, in that in that little category of music, of British music, they always just knew how to keep a hook simple, and because of that, super easy to just to just for people to learn, right? Punch in the face, Roadrunner, meet me. <laughs> it's just it's, it's fucking hilarious sometimes. And sometimes it suits so, so basic, but you can't help but kind of vibe to it. Um, obviously, Dizzy was the best at it in terms of just um, having the best hooks, um, just un- undefeated on that front. But you listen to this and just just the hooks, at minimum, the hooks are going like, to just be implanted in your brain. You're going to you're going to you're going to see Roadrunner. Right, and you're just and you're just gonna instinctively say meet me because meep, meep. of the Jamie track. <laughs> I'm on the road. Meet me. This is it's perfect, man. It's perfect. Um, you know, and and there's and there's, there's tracks like um famous, which kind of um kind of leans into this um I don't want to say commercialization because uh, the next album sticks his toe in it. He uh, I don't think Jamie does it as overtly as Skepta did um, with his um albums around the same time um but he he, d- he dips the toe in a little bit he dips his toe in it a little bit um but past that you know Sirius is obviously the you know the uh only only the street the street the streets will know kind of track um uh but yeah man it's a, it's, a, it's a solid album it obviously um it feels 2008 <laughs> it feels like going back to 2008 um but yeah man it's just there's so many there's so many iconic uh just moments in the album itself that um, it kind of just uh it, it's it's timeless in that sense um but yeah listen to it it's <laughs> very very 2008 uh for barrel was yeah it's interesting because a huge portion of this album was actually created in his mum's house like it's just recorded there and if you look at the credits we have jamie producing six tracks himself while he produced uh, a couple of tracks Three tracks that appeared on previous Jamie drops, but a large amount of these tracks had already been written or already existed somewhere like for quite a long time before this came out. Now, it feels to me more like a compilation of works up until now for Jamie in comparison to his next few albums rather than kind of a bespoke debut album. I think it definitely catches his personality, the humor, uh, the more darker aspects of his storytelling. When he spoke to Fantano, he said by this stage, his life was moving along really well. He was happy. A lot of these songs took on new meaning for him in retrospect. On Punch in the Face, he speaks on the violence he was surrounded by growing up. He said, I just think they're idiots before talking about the devastating effect violence was having on the communities that he grew up in. 
Uh, go on my own probably sounds a bit facetious when you consider the history I've just given. Um, you know, Jamie grew up in a musical and artistic family. His brother's an MC and a producer. His sister is an artist. You know, his entire come up was in epic crews like Roll Deep and Meridian. But on this track, he raps, of course, it's good to have a team. It's easy to treat, achieve your dreams. But don't forget, you can do it by yourself. If you want something done, you've got to do it yourself. Now, that sentiment is potent when you consider, I think, just how far Skepta and Jamie have got, have come entirely in different ways. You know, Jamie's mark on the grime scene can never be erased. He did that by becoming a leader and being himself, choosing to go vegan, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, as a rapper, you know, this is not, not common, choosing to be vocal about it, especially in the grime scene. You see the kind of content Wiley has been dropping recently is far from inclusive. So Jamie has been very, uh, it's a very powerful, I thought this track was a very powerful statement. Uh, it kind of set him up for the rest of his career. And it showed that this is the way Jamie was going to be. He wasn't going to adhere to trends. He wasn't just going to try and, you know, hop on radio. He wasn't going to sign to a major. Uh, he was going to do whatever the fuck. And, and that's the, the key takeaway from my listening to Jamie this week is, it's just JME. It's entirely unique. That's who he is. And it was all over this first album. And I really love that track, Go On My Own. Um, I don't know. It's just taken on more and more meaning yeah. the more I've listened to his discography uh, this week. Oh, um, yeah. The biggest statement of the album is the title and how he kind of weaves that in through the album. Uh, on the title track, he repeats a mind state that he's still talking about in that Rinse FM interview in 2022. He never sought fame or success. He just wanted to make music because he considered it fun and he wanted to push the push the culture forward. Jamie's respect and love was solidified when he dropped the first single from the album in 2009, uh, Too Many Man, a track that would appear then on Skepta's second album in Wiley's 2009 album. You know, it charted at 79 on the UK chart, remains the most successful boy better know as a group, as a trio. Um, and it came out in 09, you know, it came out over a year after the album dropped, but it's, it's a fucking straight up banger. Still heard it in clubs, bro. Great song, man. Still heard it in clubs. Uh, Great song. Yeah, first album, five, man. Let me get the second, blam. Yeah, blam. Blam. Um, yeah, I, I, I probably, this is probably, you know, in terms of uh, favorite albums, probably my least favorite, but it's not even by any, uh, it's not by like a dangerous stretch. I feel like um, all four projects have uh, some quality on it. Um, I just feel sometimes this uh, album gets uh, caught by the times, which in this case was 2010. You know, I'm listening to the Hospital, and you know, everybody's on there: Frisco, uh, Jammer, uh, Skepta. There's someone else I forget. Uh, Shorty, that's it. Um, and you know, while that's all well and good, I just can't deal with the chorus and the and the beat as well. Is just a bit, mm, just, just a bit. Mm. Yeah, just the chorus just literally take me to the hospital, bro. And that's, that's obviously adding on to the point of everything being simple, simplified. Um, but oh god, I just, I just, I don't like the beat, bro. It's just, it's one of those things, man. But back in the day, those where where just grime and you know just music in general was just uh, everything was getting injected with some like electronic shit, and I'm just like, eh. But then again, grime always had that, you know what I mean? Always had the woo woo woo. woo. That's that's kind of electronic in some way so you know i'm kind of being uh i'm kind of picking and choosing here but um you know even regardless of that there are some good features in here uh to a little bit tempity on not it's not a long thing love that track uh tempity again on, C on cd's dead actually it's a real good track uh wiley on sidetrack sidetrack is a very interesting track um 
<laughs> sidetracked, very interesting track. Because um, it's widely basically on the on the you know on the bridge anyway. Going get get my go get back to my life again. Don't want to be sidetracked. Live on my life on the edge. Um, and it was kind of like a a, a, a a the closest we get to proper you know uh, deep introspection, I guess, uh, from Jamie in this case. Um, got to be- get back to my life again. Arguing radio for man to give me the mic back. Right, that's it. Right now, I should I should be doing a show with the live band, but I can't be bothered tonight. And what? Who's going to tell me I can't stop? Got to get back to my life for real. I make music. I ain't trying to kill. Got to turn up when I'm on the bill. Uh, thousand thousands inside a mill. A million pounds is when I signed a deal. I had a few offers, but didn't sign because they were minor still. I don't know, it just kind of um, gives the, yeah, it's in the second one, is in this one, uh, second verse on this one, felt the pain I was feeling, no, felt like I had nowhere to go, yeah, I know, been feeling this way for a year or so, can't even get off my ass. walk to the shop and get some Cheerios, <laughs> Cheerios is a O-shaped cereal, for those that are unaware, um, but yeah, it's, uh, my music rocks box, still wears the doll, uh, top of the pots, felt the pain, I was feeling bad, I could have punched through the ceiling, man. Uh, but instead, I've got the keys to the beam like Beanie Man. Like it's it's just very uh, aspirational, and uh, you can say that for most uh, for a lot of um, for a lot of Jamie tracks. But I don't know, that felt a bit different. Um, I love the last track, Mario's Ting, which is uh, Mario's Flag, which is literally just an instrumental of a <laughs> just some like eight bit kind of a, a Mario a Super Mario grime, which is uh, absolutely hilarious. Um, uh, which one? Which one was that one I wanted? Uh, trying to look up. I forgot which one of the lyrics I wanted. I think it was a uh, pick up the mic, but you know, simple beat. Um, but yeah, it's just a wordplay on here. I just, I just really love the wordplay on this one. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's Jamie, the grime scene dweller, the unsigned MP3 seller, the hundred percent true lyric teller, hand on the Bible, spit a cappella. I need listeners, you need the smeller, cause your music stinks. <laughs> Buy my flow, catch salmonella, or get beatbox like Killer Keller. Uh, Pubman Ting, Widestella, Left Hook, Top Lip Sweller, Wobbly Tooth, Bear Bongella. My wallet is like cheese sandwich because I put, because <laughs> first I put in the bread and on top of that I put the cheddar. On top of that, uh, where the OGs don't believe me, I'll smell her. It's just, it's just fun, bro. It's just super fun. Like when, when Jamie is in his bag, wordplay wise, it's just so fucking fun. Jamie, the grime ambassador, the bad boys, MP3 trafficker. If you spit acid, I spit acid up. <laughs> You get popped like Pringles paprika. <laughs> you want to spray, man, you're a panicker. Can't chase my status with no stamina. Chase my status with no sad- stamina. Big up chase the status, man. Fucking hell. Uh, you get a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Modern Warfare. Silence Rafika. No champs, no chain, no manager. Somehow you're still not in my caliber. My lyrics are so detailed as if I made them with a lens and an aperture. Professional, not amateur. Because I work all night like Dracula. If my two, if two of my friends argue on both sides, like the A's in Africa, what the fuck is so sick? It it comes off so simple. It comes off so easy, but you just, but you, you can't think up that shit. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy, bro. It's fucking great. I just I love shit like that, man. Just when Jamie's in his bag, it's just it's it's, it's it, when it when he's witty. Uh yeah, when he's confident, he just gets witty with it, and it's just and it's just fun for all, man. It's just it's fun to read the lyrics, it's fun to rap to them. It's great. It's a but yeah, it is a solid album. It's my least favorite of the four, but regardless of that, it's still a solid album. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. Like it's his lyrical content. Like it sounds simple, but it, I don't know. It hits every time. I love it. Um, 
Yeah, so in the interim, uh, Boy Better Know was actually making regular pilgrimage to Ayanapa. Now, you might remember the Ayanapa location from our Wiley and Dizzy episode. This mm-hmm. is where the Roll Deep crew was fractured after Wiley and Dizzy had a situation with one another that ended up in a beef for like a long time. But in the late 2000s, Ayanapa was still a very sought after location for the group. Uh, Jamie actually credits their time there as being some of the most fruitful creatively and in terms of their independence uh, and in his life in general. You know, he he says he has reams of photographs from their adventures, meeting people, breaking laws, making mistakes, growing up. Uh, he met his partner there. He actually told Rinse FM it was the first time he realized he was an adult. Uh, and from this like kind of creative stuff, from this these experiences, we get Blam, which is his first ever charting project, number 66 on the UK chart, uh, a couple of UK indie charting singles, um, CDs dead sidetracked uh, they charted on the on the indie chart so the artwork's all done by Jamie himself and I think it's a banger you know oh, sick. yeah it's all done by Jamie um, you know I think he really went into the garage scene heavily on this I kind of find it hilarious last week we were talking about the cookie crew disliking that dance energy on their debut single and then 20 years later grime artists are like repurposing it into singles you know that was the whole vibe uh, CD is Dead is a track I'd heard a few times over the years. Of course, JME will wax lyrical in interviews about any topic. I'll tell you that much. If uh, if there's one thing that's true about JME, he can talk, man. He can freaking talk. These Some of these interviews, he, he goes off. And he actually told Tim Westwood back in 2010 that uh, physical sales were down 60%. And that inspired... Yeah, I mean, look, JME, uh, Tim Westwood's like... Tim Westwood, if we were to do a UK-only... It would be the DJ Vlad of this pod because I always come in here and quote DJ Vlad, but bro. Uh, I laugh because I totally forgot about Power uh, on, on Famous where Tim Westwood is just at the beginning going, we need a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a man's going, what Superman? Fuck Superman. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, let this stop. Let this stop. Let this stop. What he does, I totally <laughs> I, I I erased that from my head and then he said his name. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's on power. I forgot about that. But yeah, just so you know, power is just like a minute. First minute of it is just Tim Westwood just fucking talking. Tim Westwood like, yeah. TV. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. How he blew up. I'll never, I'll never know. He's the cringiest guy. But anyway. <laughs> So yeah, man, look, um, yeah, I feel this album is a little bit more scattered conceptually. Money on my brain, I love music, uh, I'm the best, pick up the mic. I got the impression his intent was to really go back to that kind of freestyling cypher mentality on early pirate radio shows. Kind of like the mic is handed to you, you pick a topic and you just go in. Uh, lyrically, I think it's a step down from his previous record. Uh, but I felt like sonically... I wouldn't say it's a step up, it's different. You know, the beats sound lavish on here, they sound vibrant. Um, you know, this could be due to Jamie having just two production credits on the entire project. You know, he didn't produce the bulk of it like he did with his last project. But yeah, no, I agree with Charlie. It's, it's not not my favorite Jamie project, that's for sure. But it's definitely worth a listen. And then we get we get a five year wait before Integrity drops in uh, 2015. But even with that said, Ben, um, tracks like 96 Fuckery, which is probably a next to next to Man Don't Care, is probably the most popular track. Um, of Jamie's career, probably, and that released really that single of Nice Six Fuck yeah. released in 2012. 2012. 
That's a that's a that's a while. That's, that's a, a long lead-in time. That one, he was really drip feeding us, wasn't he? Uh, that's not. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, when Duke Dumont dropped his uh, album a couple of years ago and had Ocean Drive on it. I was just like, bro, you can't do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when did Ocean Drive drop? Like 2015. Like, oh, bro, it's been like six years. Um, but yeah, man. Um, I, I just realized that. But um, yeah, it's kind of uh. It's interesting on that point, but anyway, um, yeah, this album's best album. Uh, I think Eddie he would say that Eddie anybody would probably say that it's his yeah. best album by um, a country mile. Um, there's just too many iconic tracks on here. Um, aforementioned Nice Six Fuckeries, Man Don't Care, which is the um, it, I, I don't care the hood national anthem. Um, just if you don't know Man Don't Care, I don't, I don't, you know, don't know what you did. Um, not that I'm the <laughs> not that I'm the ambassador for hood 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 attitude, um, but regardless. I feel that, um, but you know, you know, stuff like uh, Amen, uh, again, Frisco, Jammer, Shorty, and Skepta. I love, I love the consistency at least. Uh, big nasty on Break You Down, uh, like just big energy on that one. Uh, Don't at me, boy, my uh, with boy better no, um, really solid on that one. I love Integrity, the last track especially. Um, I feel like that really, uh, as a last track and as the title track, I feel like it really uh highlights um him in general um i think it's a real uh, it's a real autobiographical element to it um yeah re- really autobiographical even with this um uh, verse one before i start top lip slapping think me and skeptical were born rapping born in the ends move food in the ends and that's new mean the spawn trapping <laughs> she says she sells by the seashore I can't do that for the life of me. Uh, he sells weed scales and a P4. He sells details, swiping galore. Deets, aka credit card fraud. You can't test me in the music game. I've got bare XP. Doing this thing for real in school while you was typing up your CV. I was downloading on Windows NT. Bare sample packs for Fruity Loops 3. Ask Mr. Coville about me. I was walking around with my jacket that said my controller on the back. Best MC in the game. Fact. Didn't care about charts or about plaques. Didn't give a shit about YouTube stats. Don't give a fuck about first week sales. Now you want to come up and chat all this crap, fam. All I wanted to do is pick up the mic and spray, and I and today I still do that. It's just I I really if if Man Don't Care and Nine Six Fuckeries are his best tracks, just from you know pure iconic iconoclastic iconoclastic. Uh, I don't even know if that's the right way to use that word, but you know, you know what I mean. If they're the most iconic tracks, I think Integrity is probably the most. Um, is <laughs> of an artistry of a discography that is full of authenticity. That's probably the most authentic track to date. Um, and the way he just talks about things, and uh, like I said, very autobiographical. So, um, if I gave you a track to probably start on, I really would suggest that track. But you know, past that, same thing. Fun. Uh, again, DWE, uh, The Money with Wiley. Uh, I just, and Calm as well. Calm leading into Mando Care is so underrated. It's just a transition. It's crazy. Just, he's going off on Calm. And then you also have Mando Care coming through. So, fuck off, man. Let me breathe. Let me breathe. Right, on, on this one, uh, on um, uh, fucking, uh, uh, on Calm. Uh, 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 so far I had minimal drama, cliches, but I'm not a barber. <laughs> Don't question my objective from uh, you know, he's my collective. So calm, I could be, I couldn't be calmer. Feeling good, could it be calmer? You don't rate me, that's subjective. If you can see my from my perspective, man, ain't got time for that. You're not here, you're not near me, rude boy. Mind the gap, please. Don't want to fall on my track with me. You're not in the trap, but you're trapped in G. 
Uh, you do not fool me. None at all. See, uh, there's nothing you could teach me, let alone school me. So Karen, do your thing, but just know, man, don't care about all that. He, he kind of, <laughs> I love the uh, what's the word? The the the, for, the foreshadowing. <laughs> it's, just, hmm. it's just fucking. This is fucking fire. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a one as one track bleeding into another, is that's just fucking iconic shit. Um, so yeah, man, just, I could talk about this album. Uh, yeah, I, I I I would love to get this album on vinyl, but I kind of don't want to. Because that it where where Blam had a really fucking good album cover, this is one of the worst album covers ever. I'm sorry, I'm not having a vinyl with his face on it like that. Yeah. Why is he? You've always been like. like that? That. I've really... heard you here. We've talked <laughs> about this a few times over the years. We've I've always... said this before. I'll yeah. say it again. It's a horrible album yeah. cover. <laughs> You're not trying to have that on vinyl. You trying to put that behind you, bro? Nah, bro. You'd be scared to death. You'd be like looking at it going, oh fuck. Oh no, nah, no, nah, not yet, chief, not yet, chief. But um, while well, the album cover, the album cover quality of album uh, 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 of album content in there, wildly different. The scales are very, very tipped. Okay, so don't worry about it. Don't let the don't let the terrible album cover fool you. It's a fucking good album. It's a, I mean, it's a probably UK. If if I did a UK classics list, this would be probably like top twenty. If I'm being objective, the vinyl is a little bit better. The vinyl cover is a bit different actually oh good thank fuck for that i'm gonna <laughs> is um, it not his face <laughs> i'm sending it to you right now and see what you okay you let me have a look i actually haven't seen it i just assumed it was his face but fucking hell it's I'm a bit it it's a touch different it's like yeah i don't know i, I don't think i'd want it on vinyl either but but anyway yeah no nah, it's this is great album man like uh it's kind of funny because in the intro oh, what the fuck is that <laughs> Why does it look demented? That's even worse. Looks no, like I don't deep think it's fried. Wor- I don't think it's worse. I think it's just. It looks deep fried. <coughs> oh fuck! It looks, like a, it looks like someone memed it. Oh fucking hell! Get me out of it. Uh, fuck it! I gotta close that wi- signal window because otherwise I get fucking sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look what you did. Look, you infected the chat. Delete it. <laughs> yeah, look. Um, I think it took so long this this album because there was a compilation album in the in the interim history. Uh, but everything was kind of leading up to a huge release for his third studio album. We got Tropical Two, uh, his instrumental mixtape in 2011, which was a follow up to the much loved and quite rare Tropical tape he dropped in 2006. A lot of people were asking when he was going to repress that. And uh, I don't think he ever did repress that, but a lot of people wanted it, um, which was obviously part of four mixtapes he released in 2006. Uh, we also got the Jamie 48-hour mixtape, which he created in conjunction with Noisy. He spent 48 hours coming up with a tape and then following him around. Uh, 96 Fuckeries, as Charlie said, dropped in 2012 as the first single from that album, three years before the album dropped. And it's his highest charting track, 41, on the UK chart carried the theme of dropping tracks with 90 well with the word 90 the words 96 in it the number 96 that's that's a thing for him i think this was a step up sonically for sure abrasive aggressive abrasive um you know we get dwe on again wiley on the money uh the boy better crew on boy better no crew on a man gigs you kind of see how adept jamie as an mc is you know, he hangs next to every single one of his guests, and I don't think he was outrapped by anyone. He definitely dunked on on gigs. Like, I think it was great next to everyone on this. Uh, he produces what, you don't four. Like Batman. Did it? Did it? Did it? You know, I'm not the biggest gigs. Don't think fan. that's hard. I'm not the biggest gigs fan in the world. There's something wrong with me. I just don't like gigs. 
but he produces he produces four tracks on here amen amen again no you ain't an integrity and i think those four beats are freaking wild you know especially as charlie said the title track you know uh it kind of feels like an extension of the beat on no you ain't but the garage influence is all over this production you know especially on the jme tracks yes I feel like the only misstep here is same thing. I thought that that was super sleepy. It was, it was pretty boring. Um, but that's not the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, the rest of the album is just so great. And JME sounds far more confident on this record. I didn't feel like he was overdoing uh, on his previous albums lyrically. But on Integrity, he kind of just lets the similes flow out of him as they need to. You know, he speaks on his work ethic the way money infects and changes people, blocking trolls on social media, which is something I need to start doing, uh, and just staying positive in general, kind of like big upping himself. It felt like he was growing into his own on this project lyrically. Like this was his most mature release. I really felt like he had progressed a lot and felt way more comfortable and safe. Uh, And I also think that that's highlighted by the fact that he had such big name features on here and he didn't try to like outwrap them like crazy. You know, he didn't try and like eviscerate them lyrically. He didn't try and skate on everyone and say the wildest shit. He just stayed within his lane, man. And he's, that's what he does. Like he's he's great in his lane. And, you know, I think there's probably a lot of pressure on JME around this time because Skepta was blowing the fuck up. Like Skepta was really progressing rapidly mainstream wise. And I feel like, you know, JME, the fact that he... I was talking to a friend this week and we were talking about the topic of jealousy and in a lot of male friendships and a lot of male relationships, there's always like, well, in my experience, and I've had a lot in my life, there's a power dynamic. And once that power dynamic changes, things get really fucked up in that relationship. In my experience, like the vast majority of my male friendships over the years, when that like power dynamic between the two changes and shifts something happens like there's a blow up there's a fight you know someone does something to fuck the other person over and it's a very rare male friendship where it exists separate of any kind of power struggle whatsoever and i felt like and and relationship friendship whatever you want to call it and the fact that jme just continued to do his thing you know wiley blow up you know skepta blew up gigs blew up like everyone was blowing up commercially everyone was going crazy Jamie just kept doing his thing. And I think that that is the most, like, uh, it confirms the title the most that he possibly could. You know, it's wild to me that an MC, like, this is a person who's going to tell you, and I always say, like, words are great, but actions speak far louder than words, and patterns speak louder than actions. So an MC, all they really have is their words, right? You know, but the way that Jamie used his words, the way he used this platform and this project... That showed the most integrity. He didn't try and sell out. He didn't try and do the Dizzy Rascal 2009 thing. You know, he just fucking did his thing, man. He just did his thing. And I I thought that showed a lot of integrity. So, yeah, this is a very apt album title. Maybe one of the most apt album titles we've ever spoken about on this pod. And then we get Grime MC, which is very apt. Very, very apt. And it comes with it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, this one. Yeah. So it's okay, Ben. You love dance with me. It's fine. All right, it's fine. We can have dance with me and integrity. Okay? Looking at me, we can, <laughs> we can live both. We can live in both worlds. Get away from the car. <laughs> uh, get away from the bar. Tell your boyfriend, hold your jaw. Come dance with me. <laughs> Fucking iconic. Um, but yeah, 
I mean, you say all that, and I feel like Grime MC is just more of that, right? Um, sure. And also, you mentioned the Fantano interview where he was lamenting streaming and uh, you know how Utes are getting in these days. 96 of my life, again, referencing what you're talking about before, is literally just one big, I mean, diary entry in yeah, some ways, and trap. also reminiscing. It's it's actually I I listened to I, was, I listened to Integrity straight to Grime MC, and it was crazy how Integrity and 96 of my life just meshes together so well, mm-hmm. um, just from front to when you front to back it, because this track is a lot of the same of Integrity of the title track of that album, where he's taught where literally the first verse is. Uh, when I got uh, so when I got a little peep, uh, fam, I was like, "Brat had a Nokia seven seventy seventy one ten, and it had WAP." Okay, so for those who are unaware, okay, this is before how we see WAP now. Okay. Before WAP, this, this is a, this is a different WAP. This is different. <laughs> this was this was this was Wi-Fi WAP. This was like the first like mobile hotspot. Yeah, yeah this was like, okay. Yeah. Look, I don't know if do you remember this, Charlie? Do you remember WAP? <laughs> Because I remember WAP. Vaguely, vaguely, I remember yeah. WAP. I was I was young, and it was I think the first phone we ever had was that what I said before was like a thirty three fifty. I think it was. So there was yeah, a thirty three ten, the thirty three fifteen, right? And they had no internet connection whatsoever. You couldn't use the internet on them. No internet. Then the thirty three fifty came out, and it had this thing called WAP. And no one knew how the fuck to use it. It never worked. It didn't make any fucking sense. But allegedly, if if you could get it to work, you could use the internet. And this was not a smartphone, guys. This was a fucking yeah, pixelated eight bit pixel phone. So, like, you couldn't just go on web pages and Google and shit. There were only specific no, 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 web pages no. that were like perfect. Uh, it was is wild, man. Like, I've never heard anyone reference WAP in. A song before in my entire life that and i remember it we were so excited when that shit came out yeah. like the internet on our phones what the fuck is this but then no one knew how to do it like it never worked so everyone was like oh this sucked man but yeah no that was a wild wild reference yeah man um and uh yeah getting back to the track i mean the whole track is one big ass verse this is just one like i said one big diary entry uh, spent student loan on mumsy's rent, didn't buy no books, but money well spent, off to uni, I went with no peas, had to do my first year again, uh, did my, take my driving test till 2000 Ross Clark 7, uh, but I was driving from uh, uh, driving to uni with 03 with no license, don't try copy me, uh, but, <laughs> and then he talks about boy bit, no, talk, and he, I love the fact that he mentions games a lot, I think that's a rare, that's a, that's a thing that we need to mention in just a small scale, because he mentions games a lot, like just every album he's mentioning games and video games and stuff like that. You know, we gas up like the likes of Open Mike Eagle and that uh, for, you know, bigging up games and Logic as well. But, you know, it, it, Jamie does it as well. Like Jamie's uh, moved out of mum's house with an, in, with a, in with Easy, fuck FIFA, man, he's play Pez. Big up Pez 06, classic. Uh, got love for my day one, so you can't see me in T without the prayers. Uh, man's like brat. Man's got the P ninety D. Now famous a rap seventeen inch screen, random screen with the lights go green. Uh, got lights go green scene. Um, but yeah, man, I just that track really sets up the album whole. Uh, in 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 a in in whole, and then it gets to stuff like it's Matt, which is probably my favorite track off the album. Uh, which is very it, it, again reminds me of. Like uh one two three uh from from famous where uh honest mad he's like um 
something, something, but one G, uh, one G, then look at two P, and he's like, he's going one, two, three, four. He can't, he's constantly doing that, uh, and it fucking works every single time. It fuck, it, it fucking works. It's absolutely, uh, and also pricks. You know what, yeah. bro? First three tracks, first three, first three, nine, track. six of my life pricks. It's mad. Fucking top tier, fucking three track uh, stretch. It's absolutely great. Um, pricks is just one big fuck you to record labels. Music industry is absolutely perfect um, in my mind. And again, one big ass verse. <laughs> I love the outro. This goes like so many pricks everywhere. <laughs> I fucking football chart. That's great. Um, trying to find the best bit part, best part of it. But um, I mean, the whole thing's fucking great. But yeah, don't ask me for no clean version of my rhythm. Uh, can't ask Denville for a clean version of Training Day. Take what you're given. Mm. No, no clean version of the Equalizer. No, ain't no t- clean take. Uh, taking of Pendulum. No, no clean version of Michael Andrews' artwork with a penis hidden. I got no record deal. Never had one. Got no manager. Never had one. Got no stylist. Never had one. Got no publisher. Never had one. Got no PA. Never had one. Got no PR. Never had one. Ain't nobody telling me nothing about my career from they uh, from they never had one. Fucking that stretch, bro. That stretch is absurd. It's ab- just absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, I'll finish up quick because I need to uh, pop my charger in <laughs> of my laptop. But uh, yeah, man, this album kind of um, uh, actually for me personally, I will say uh, overall, it kind of uh, I kind of not tune out by n- nearer to the end, but um, I feel like eighteen tracks is a little bit much. Um, yeah, just some of the tracks kind of just wash over me. Um, but you know, stuff like Nan Nang with uh Skepta as well, um, as a heater. Uh, with that said, I do love the last few tracks like Live, um, that's a really good one. Yes, Men, I think is a good one for just a lot. I mean, from what I've learned this year in terms of hip hop, I mean, I mean, we're not going to talk about him, let's, let's not do that, but fucking hell. I mean, it's clear that um, Mr. Mr. KW has has yes men, bruv, Because who, who's saying? Who, clearly, he ain't he ain't heard no in like 10, 10, 20 years. Is it's, it's clearly um, clearly that case. But um, you know, knock your block off. Um, yeah, man, there's some good stuff spat, smattered in here. I think it would have benefited from a few less tracks. Um, think it could have been tighter. But that's just me. That's just um. That's just a, a subjective opinion, but you know, overall, it's just a lot of um, a very, very mature album. Again, I think more mature than Integrity, just more of the same, uh, more of that matureness, and uh, a lot of just um, uh, a lot of lessons, I guess, um, put uh, sprinkled in as well, which I feel, you know, if anyone, if you, <laughs> if there's anyone to take lessons from to be independent, I feel JME is probably one of the one of the top five to pick from. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um... Yeah, man, I want to contextualize this album a little bit in the grand scheme because to put out an album called Grime MC in 2020 is is a big thing. You know, it's a big thing. Uh, Jamie did a lot of interviews around this record. He obviously hopped up with Fantano. Uh, this this album got a lot of press. It got a lot of reviews. So a lot of people credit Jamie and Skepta with propelling Grime's second wave, but they were at the forefront of the first as well. You know, just because Dizzy and Wiley blew up first doesn't mean that Skepta and Jamie weren't on the front lines pushing that subgenre into the collective consciousness. So when Dizzy went to go do some weird EDM stuff and Wiley kind of joined him, Jamie stayed 100% true to Grime. You know, he might have dipped off. He did a feature with Ed Sheeran at one point, but that's not, it's, it's not his album. He didn't put Ed Sheeran on the album. You know, his love for Grime will never end. In his interview with uh, Fantano, 
he speaks on the progression of drill in UK rap in the 2010s, and he said he was really happy to see it flourish, and he would support it in any way he can, but he is always at heart a grime artist. So the title alone to me is a statement, and I think a brave one at that, because grime and drill can coexist, and they absolutely do, but you never know how somebody's going to take a statement like that. And I say that by saying, like, people can take that as a criticism of whatever genre is or subgenre is in the mainstream at that point. You know, if you say you're a grime MC and you'll always be one, you know, some people, people take everything the wrong way. And, and that's why when it came out in 2020, that's why it's a different than if it came out in 2002. That's completely different. But coming out in 2020, it doesn't matter what you say. People are going to read into it and say that you're being critical of something else. You could say you like donuts and people say you don't like pancakes. So to call yourself a grime MC might think that you're being critical of drill or might think that you're being critical of other subgenres. But Jamie struck a chord with this album, I think, more so than any other. Uh, 26 on the UK chart, but with this uh, widespread media attention, he got his first ever Pitchfork review and the interview, obviously, with Fantano. He popped up on so many podcasts, I can't even name them all. He said this to NME, it's hard to think of how people are going to take something and react to something and how it's going to make people feel. Like you're saying the tweets are coming in now nonstop every time I open my phone from bare different people. You can't really uh, pre how nostalgia is going to be triggered in other people. So it was this nostalgia that he didn't know he was doing. It, like he didn't he didn't come out and put out Grime MC and say, like, I'm bringing Grime back. Like I'm dipping back into Grime. I'm, I've always, he, he just put out a fucking album saying I'm a Grime MC and I always will be. And people love that because Grime had just gotten, I'm not going to say distorted or distilled or anything like that. It still exists. It always did, but it just wasn't its moment anymore. It's not its moment at the moment. Drill in the UK is is where it's at right now. And for for JME to come back out and just say, man, I'm still doing this shit. Uh, it struck a chord with a lot of people. And <coughs> it's a great it's a great album, man. Like uh, 96 of My Life is... I personally think it's his best song. Like, just the way that he tells the story, the way... And I think it's the highlight and the epitome of what makes Jamie so great. You know, yeah. in the Fantano interview, he talks about being vegan, right? And he says that um, he made the decision around 2012, and he hasn't eaten meat since. And he said that, like, it made perfect sense to him to just be vegan. And he raps about it quite a lot. You hear him rap about it. If you didn't know that he was vegan, you wouldn't be like, oh, okay, like he's vegan. I can definitely tell from his lyrical content. But if you know he's vegan, which he was very vocal about in interviews, then you're like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. He's just littering references all through his lyrics. He doesn't give a shit, man. JME will say whatever. JME will say whatever he the fuck want. Like he'll tell you the story with the like bare-faced facts. He doesn't care. And that's what Grime was back in the day, man. They were just telling the truest version of the stories that they were experiencing. So that's why I think 96 of My Life is my favorite JME track because it's it's brilliantly written, it's engaging, the narrative is interesting. I want to hear from him. I want to know what he went through. I want to experience or like, you know, hear what he experienced. But just lyrically, it's great. You know, the whole thing is brilliant. And uh, look, man, Pricks, I thought that was a great track as well. I just love this album. It just, it's one of those albums, and we talk about it a lot on this part of, of artists that you just want to sit with and you could sit on a train trip for two hours and listen to them and do nothing else but look out the window or you know you'd be driving and you're like i don't know if i can drive listening to this album because i don't think i can concentrate on driving i'm going to be so engrossed in what this artist is saying 
And uh, yeah, man, that's that's how I felt about this album. This is a great project, and yeah, shout out to JME, man, fucking great artist. Yeah, and um, I kind of wanted to dip back in just a little bit, um, not to make it too long, but um, you did briefly mention, you know, comparing it to something like Drill Nowadays, which, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because I feel like there's been a uh, a more concentrated and a more embraced version of what happened uh, at the turn of the uh, of the turn of the last decade around 2020, 2010 onwards um, which as you you know have already mentioned this and we've mentioned it several times during UK BHM episodes where you know um, the likes of Dizzy and Wiley you know kind of went mainstream and you know fine go for it get your bag um, but they also tried to I guess take grime with them in some ways but it, it couldn't have it can't it with something like that it it's hard to it's hard to do both you know what I mean and I feel like without putting Jamie words in Jamie's mouth he chose the other way right where he just stuck with like I've been saying the authenticity and if it chance it chance if it doesn't it doesn't like it is what it is um, and he continues with that. Obviously, when you mentioned in Grime MC and how you know much of a statement that particular title is, not many people can say that. Not many people say that now. Um, not many, yeah, not many people could say that. Um, you know, wholesale. That's what I am, right? You know, because people might do grime here and there, but people, someone might drop a grime track just to you know be throwback. Well, look at me, I'm dropping a grime freestyle. It's been like ten years since I've done that, but. Here I am again, back back of my ends kind of thing, right? Um, meanwhile, the whole album itself is just like you know, uh, uh, highly A and R'd, uh, whatever the flavor of the UK uh, rap scene is doing now, right? Um, but then there's Jamie, right? and he's dropping Grime MC and stuff like that, and um, it's really honourable and respectable for him to um, go about the things in the way he's uh, he's done it. And like I said, you know, if um, if I ever get what I'm doing off the ground in that fashion, that's kind of the road I want to go down, right? In terms of just a blueprint of anything, um, you know, obviously what I do and what he does is completely different. But you know, I, you can find parallels in any creative set, any creative, um, any creative endeavor, right? Um, there's there's mainstream versions of art. There's there's, there's mainstream versions of films. There's mainstream versions of uh, fucking, you know, paintings, whatever. So, you know, to see him, uh, be fully integral to the grime scene, um, keeping it alive in some ways. He did, um, he did uh, the, uh, he helped do that female all stars um album a few few like a year or so ago. Um, that was really solid. Uh, you know, he's done done work with um, Shorty and Frisco and uh, somebody else on North. I think it's called North Face. Um, and that's relatively, you know grime heavy um so you know he centers in that and to be honest at this point he's probably the center of the grime universe i feel like if you've got a grime project you need to have jamie on it otherwise not a grime project um you know skepta's kind of gone out of it where you know he's not quote unquote not doing music anymore lying yeah but he's you know he re- just recently just recently he did an art exhibition um with nigerian fanta <laughs> as well this is just like you know he's 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 evolving. He's doing bits on that. You know Dizzy's 
just the rascal. Getting getting get, getting clapped on court. Getting clapped in court. Um, oh, what's Wiley's, happening? Oh, that's right. No, no. I, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, I told you. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then Wiley's. Fuck knows what Wiley's doing. Oh, doing, we don't want to know what Wiley's um, doing, I mean, bro. Yeah, rather not known at this point. Um, but yeah, you know. And then there's Jamie, kind of just there, still doing it. Um, you know, he's got a wife and kid now, so I'm guessing he's you know relaxing on most things. But uh, I forgot what track he said on it. Um, but you know, he kind of just uh, paraphrased and just goes, "I just do grime." <laughs> he just, I, 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 he wakes up, does grime, and that's it. And that's, that's all you can. That's all you can chant it. That's all you can um, pin on him. And hey, man, what a pin to have, man. Uh, honestly, outstanding. Just, uh, just, just now standing uh, on the face um, uh, to just have like to do it all, you know, quite quite by yourself. Obviously, there's always a team by everybody, but you know, to have to to have it as independent as he is on it is just highly admirable. And I feel like the world would be better off for more of those more of those people. Um, but funny enough, um, to, um, to big up a tomorrow drop of In Search of Source where I'm hopping on with, uh, Brandon and Tyler, we talk about the creator economy and quote unquote, do you know execs are calling it the passion economy now? Oh, bro. I felt sick reading that, bro. I felt sick reading it. it like passion and economy. Does that, does those two words mix to you? Does, does that, does that mesh? You know what I mean? So it's, in, it's kind of impossible to do that. And to be where Jamie is at. But, um, hey, man, he made it happen. So, respect to him on that front. Yeah, shout out, Jamie. I mean, of all the grime MCs, I mean, maybe Kano's still, like... Yeah, Kano's well, yeah. Kano's fine, but... I mean, yeah. he's done... It, I mean, he's created his own lane, if anything. Like, he's, he's got this soulful element to his, to himself now. I feel like he's just evolved again, for the better for himself, right? But he's he has left grime behind... He may have a few tracks where you know he's doing the uh, trade trading the mic with Gets on his part on Hoodies All Summer. You know he had like Free Wheels Up and all that stuff on yeah. Made in the Manor. <laughs> so you know he does have what a fucking grime tracks. That is. <laughs> he does. Shit. We love Made in the Manor so much, bro. Uh, but <laughs> he's but you know he's he's still he's still doing grime. But you know he's he's doing other stuff as well. Um, with you know and that's respect on that front. He's he evol- he's evolved his artistry to not to not be just grime. But Jamie is just stuck to be just grime, and you know that's a lane that you know is not less uh, it's less travelled. Mm, for sure, and shout out Jamie for keeping it authentic. Every time you said integrity, I just kept thinking of South Park. <laughs> Why? Oh, you haven't seen that? That they did like a whole season where Randy becomes a weed, weed, weed grower, and he calls it Integra Weed. Uh. And or integrity, 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 weed, and he just gets more and more stoned and more and more out of it. But yeah, no, it's just I got I I never watched South Park in my life, and I just decided I was just gonna watch two episodes every morning before I started work. And yeah, I did it for about a year and just watched like fourteen seasons of it. It was wild. I mean, I watched the I watched a couple of seasons when I was like uh, when I when my mum finally allowed me to watch it, and I felt like, oh, look at me, I'm watching South Park. I'm finally doing it after all these years um, of wanting to watch it and her not allowing me to watch it. Um, and then I just I don't know, just, just hopped off it. I, I spun a couple of seasons, um, but yeah, I, was, I don't know. It's cool. I get it. If people, I get why people like it. Um, you know, it's just it's just not my. It's also the style of comedy I, I I enjoy wholesale, I guess, and constantly you know inject that into my veins kind of comedy. 
Um, but you know, it's 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 cool. It's always I I, like, I appreciate the commentary. Um, but what I'm not looking forward to is their them and Kendrick's uh fucking film. I I, I every time you th- I think of them two, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Um, I think of the Kendrick film that they're doing with him, and I just I forgot the synopsis to it, but it just came off as really bad. I was just like, that's not gonna work. That's mm. just not gonna hit. I I I don't want to I don't want to look it up. Don't want to bother. But um, if you haven't seen it, go see it, and you're gonna have the same reactions as me. It's like, oh no, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> but question on a lighter note: If you were 18 uh, again, and um, you could have an artist at your 18th birthday party, uh, who would it be? I'd have to this be. Is in response. This is in response to uh, LeBron James's kid having Travis Scott perform at his birthday and them in a circle just like blasting sick on mood. That's pretty lit for an 18th birthday. That's a wild It's experience. pretty good 18th birthday. Uh, and they can't even drink yet. Like he's not even getting the he's not even getting the full gas of what of what is is he 18 is he drinking age 18 over there? Yeah. Yeah, that's not even the f- he's not even getting the he's full sober. gas of an 18 birthday. He's sober. 18 birthdays when you get drunk as shit, you know what I mean? Like that's a guarantee. Bro, the 18th but birthday. Yeah, you can't wash. even do that. That's 21 over there, which is absurd to me. 18th over here. Biggest a- drinking culture, 21. 21 is wild, man. Like that's a long time. Crazy. 3 extra years is Like nobody's nobody's abiding by that. No. Nobody's abiding by that. Well, my 18th birthday was actually the night before my English final English exam, and um, Ugh, ew. I had six I I had six beers, <laughs> and it certainly calmed me down. I tell you that much. Um, <laughs> if I had to go back in time for an 18th birthday, oh my gosh! And like it would have to be someone from around that time. So what was it? Oh six. Um, I mean, it would be someone like 50 Cent in 06. <laughs> Can you imagine that shit? <laughs> Coming, walking into what up gangster with like a bunch of dweeby white teenagers in sydney like yes. what up blood what up cuz what up gangster <laughs> they say i walk around like i got an s on my chest now that's a semi-auto it ain't a vest on my chest it's fucking crazy shit we would be losing our fucking so minds and then you just hear doom doom go Go, go, mm, 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 go, Benny, it's your birthday. <laughs> we gonna party yeah. like it's your birthday. Oh, check that visual. Bro, I had three friends when I was 18 and we would have been going the fuck off, man. You know, that would. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, man. Anyway, what about you? Who would you, who would you pick? You were going like MF Doom or some wild shit. Fuck. MF Doom? Yeah. Uh, not 18. <laughs> Oh, you know when I, you know when I, I spun, I spun MF Doom for the first time for our fucking retrospective. Get some fucking, get some dizzy, man. Um, what about dizzy? This is a good shout. Um, I was spinning him. Yeah, so what's that? Twenty six. Uh, yeah, twenty. Oh wait, it's a si- good 18, shot. So that's, uh, 2014. 2014. It probably would have been Tiny Temper, you know. Mm. Yeah, it probably would have been Tiny Temper, which who I can't wait to do a UK BHM off because. Cause that is going, cause his story is going to really bring the overall, uh, I think, storyline of what the 2010s was for UK black music at the time. He was the guy. He was the guy that just went to the stratosphere, um, and yeah, the music 
it depends. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested when we when we eventually get to Tiny Ten for how you'd feel about it. Um, I don't know if how much of you you listen to, but I actually yeah, um, some... I'm trying to fee- trying to find out where I saw him because I saw him at the Horton Pavilion. Discovery is to, still to this day. I mean, I mean, I I probably got you to listen to him. I probably put him my up on my decade list when we did that. Um, oh, you know, Discovery on you know who I saw him? Yeah. I saw him open for the script at uh the horden pavilion in 2011 and he was trash and that's just because no look you should never have a hip-hop artist before a rock band anytime i've ever gone to any gig where a hip-hop artist has started before a rock band the sound system doesn't work it's just fucked oh yeah 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 it's not the same i went to i remember i went to beat horizon a few years ago and uh it was like it was it was like a mixture of hip-hop and drum and bass and other, and like stuff in between, um, it was clear that this that the system for that night on the main stage anyway it was in the O2 Brixton, but there was other places where performances were happening. Um, it was clear in the main in the main hall that it was built for Goldie and Ronnie Size to do their to do their thing at the end of the day. Meanwhile, earlier in the day it was like Raekwon and Sampa the Great, and it just didn't sound good. It just didn't sound all that. I don't know if it was where it was standing, but it just didn't sound all that. But then when you're hearing Goldie fucking blasting that drum and bass in your fucking ears, bro. Shit, man. Your body was vibrating with like the fucking drum and bass going on there. It's crazy. So it's clear. I get what you mean. I do get what you mean. That's why I, did, that's why I didn't rate when I saw James Blake um uh, open for Kendrick. I was just like... That's a weird one. I don't one. know. I just didn't. It's, it's, I, just, I, just, I just don't fit for That's me. That's a weird but one. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to say. Nearly forgot to say. So Yasin Bay. Yeah. Um, at Troxy. Um, really good venue. I haven't been there before, and it's actually really close to me. Um, it's like forty-five minutes on the train, and um, in Limehouse, and it's a really nice-looking place. It used to be. It was formerly a cinema built in the thirties, uh, but now it's like a just an event hall. Really nice looking hall. Um, great seated area. Like they got you got a nice little booth, like four person booths, um, up there. Really nice. Um, really nice vantage point. Good visuals. Um, but the only thing was is that because they're sideways, you're just like your neck's like this all the time, just like turning, turning in your neck. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a neck issue at the, in the end uh, during the day. They got a bit stiff. Um, but uh, yeah, on top of Yasin, which I'll explain in a sec. Um, also had a uh, uh, Jerry the Damager. Um, outstanding life, fucking hell! Like just the crowd control, um, always crowd participating. Um, if you know Damager songs, I feel like you're gonna just enjoy him the most out of most people because he's just force. He's just getting you to come inside. Whoa, pause. Yeah. Oh <laughs> shit! He was he was really fucking good, eh? Hey? Charlie was like, he's I didn't expect you. to come right, inside right. him, but by the end of the night, yeah. holy right. shit! <laughs> As soon as I said that, that's, that's, too, that's too crazy. That was wild. That was wild. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild thing to say. He brings you in. All right, that's what I meant. He brings you in. Um, but also, shout out to Lady Sanity slash Sanity, um, who opened as well, and uh, she's just absolutely outstanding. Uh, I didn't even realize she was pl- she was um, performing, um, or Jerry actually. Um, but they were both just absolutely outstanding, really good. And Yasin was great, man. Um, Really unique. Um, I don't think anybody apart from the people in that room can flex the fact that they not have just seen Yasin Bey, um, but have also seen him rap over the likes of Crangbin, Felakuti, and fucking Dilla Beats, bruv. Can any of you flex that? No? Can't relate, bruv. Can't fucking relate. 
crazy, bro. Absolutely outstanding. Um, just a very unique show. I'll say that. Um, he 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 sprayed some. Yeah, he, he had some spray paint. It was like spraying on the uh, like a, you know how they have like a like a banner below the DJ set. It was like spraying shit on there. It was just like a blank canvas, so he was just spraying shit. And then he had like flower petals that he kept um, just during like intervals, just like as songs just went on, just like uh, just beat uh, just random songs and beats. He was just like throwing flower petals on the stage and like spinning like Michael Jackson and shit. It was just, he was just fucking enjoying himself. So um, yeah, man, shout out to Yasin Bey. Really, uh, really unique, uh, unique show to go to. Definitely. Shout out Yasin Bey. Um, man, I'm I'm a bit jealous. I've got I've got unusual demont and emotional oranges on Wednesday night, so I've got uh got something coming up. Um, and I'm actually so meeting. Sick, sick. I'm meeting on tomorrow. I am meeting a hip hop Twitter personality. I'm not going to reveal who it is. I'm never going to reveal who it is, but I'm fuck off excited, man. I'm meeting him in the in Sydney. We're gonna go hang out all day. It's gonna be wild. I have a feeling it's Shrek. I don't know why. Just a morbid feeling there, Shrek. It could be. Don't have to tell me. Just, just uh, yeah. Don't have to tell me. But I have a, I have a morbid feeling it's him. Um, I'll but, tell you off, Max. Okay. Ah, eat your dick, guys. On that note, we'll leave it there. From the Fifth End Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I would like to say the Fifth End. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We all hope you have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. Ah, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for this show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. There's a chill music for the ability to use. Socials with Fenom and Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Music will be in the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth End Podcast and Reproduction. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll just see you next time. We'll dig in, in the digits. <laughs>